Well, if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Corinthians 7. 1 Corinthians 7. We're going to look at the first seven uh, verses. Uh, We're going to uh, look at marriage today. This passage is rather direct, so put your hands over your ears if you don't think you ought to hear it. We want to talk about behaviors in marriage today, so important in the day in which we live. Did you know that one in five families move uh, every year in America? Did you know that? That's the average. One in five families will move. Well, you know, I I always tell people uh, that come for the summer or the winter, uh, I always tell them to get right involved because uh, you want to have a group that you get to know here that will be uh, like family to you, even if you're just here for a short period of time. You know, the military does this very well. When military folks move from one place to another, they get right involved in the church where they go, and they take an active part in the ministry of the church. From the very first, they just jump right in. And I think that's so tremendous because when uh, their time of service is over, they have Christian friends all over the world that they stay in contact with for the rest of their lives. Well, our passage today speaks about uh, family, about marriage, about some things that we ought to think about in our daily life. Let's look together at uh, God's Word. About the things that you wrote. Now, this is a letter that uh, the Corinthians sent to Paul. They had some questions. You know, Paul had started the church. He'd led a bunch of people to Jesus and formed a little church. And the church began to grow. Uh, Then Apollos came in and Paul left. And so, as time went by, some problems arose And so they wrote Paul a letter asking him, what do we do about this and this and this and this? And so today, we're going to deal with this uh, first question. About the things that you wrote, it is a good thing for a man not to touch a woman. Now this is talking about single people. Uh, Verse 2, yes, but because of cases of fornication... Occur, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. Let the husband render his wife her due. And in the same way, let the wife render her due to her husband. It is not the wife, but the husband, who has authority over the wife's body. In the same way, it is not the husband, but the wife, who has authority over the husband's body. Do not rob one another unless it be by agreement for a limited time in order that you may be free for prayer and then come together again that Satan may not tempt you on account of your being, uh, not being able to control yourself and have self-control. But I say this by way of concession and not by way of command. I desire all men to be as I myself am, but each man has his own gift from God, one in one direction and another in another direction. 
the theme of sexual irregularity had occupied a lot of Paul's writings to the Corinthian church. They had some major issues there. Chapter 5, which I've already preached on recently, uh, was dealing with certain issues, and now he moves on to the related theme of marriage. Uh, Though, as verse 2 quickly shows, he is obliged to see marriage in the light of the perversions of it that were all too common in the Corinth church. They had all kinds of things going on there that were bad, that were wrong. And they wrote a letter, this letter, to Paul. And Paul wrote this letter back to them so that they would know how to uh, deal with it. Well, uh, the themes of this chapter were raised uh, by the Corinthians. Look at verse 1. About the things that you wrote. It is a good thing for a man not to touch a woman. Now, these are words that uh, are dealing with a quotation. This is just a quotation from the letter that Paul has gotten. It's talking primarily to unmarried men. These men ought to be uh, careful about what they do. Uh, Folks uh, ought to be in a sexual relationship that are married. A sexual urge is strongest for men when they're 21 years of age. Did you know that? And strongest for women when they are 35 years of age. Sex is not a dirty thing. It's a gift of God that all of us uh, uh, can enjoy and be fruitful and multiply and uh, build up Christian families. It's uh, all good. Uh, relating intimately is a pleasure and a gift from God. Two husbands were discussing marriage one day. Uh, one of them asked the other, Has your wife uh, changed much since you got married? And the other man said, Yes, she has changed my habits, <laughs> my friends, And my hours. You know, a lot of people uh, fuss and gripe about their marriage, but, uh, you know, more people are a lot uh, happier than they would have been uh, by being married. Uh, I was uh, single for 50 years, and I enjoyed being single. I thought it was great. When I got married at uh, 50, uh, I thought, whoa, I've been missing out on some things here. This is better. This is better. Uh, look at uh, verse 2. Yes, but because cases of fornication occur, let each man have his own wife, and let each woman have her own husband. Uh, more reason uh, to marry, of course, than just to have sex. A vast majority of people in our society ought to marry. Because if they don't marry, they get into all kinds of things that they shouldn't. Uh, they would be happier uh, married. There have been all, of course, there's been thousands of studies about this. 
and uh, they come up with pretty much the same results in each uh, study. You live longer if you're married. You have better uh, financial uh, status uh, generally if you're married. Uh, You have more meaning in life if you're married. And, uh, you know, we've, I've read I don't know how many uh, big studies of this and papers have been written and written and doctoral theses have been on this and, and those are the conclusions that they all uh, reach. Marriage must be real, not just a spiritual marriage, not just one that uh, uh, doesn't really relate to the real issues of life. Verse 3 says, let the husband render his own wife her due. In the same way, let the wife render her due to her husband. Verse 4, it is not the wife but the husband who has authority over the wife's body. And in the same way, it is not the husband but the wife who has authority over the husband's body. Conjugal rights are equal and reciprocal. Now that was so new to the world when Christianity took hold. And this gospel, this message was given to all the church members, to all the people. And it literally was a new word in that day. And of course for some that was great, for some they didn't like it. Uh, but over the years, of course, this has been the Christian perspective that we find in God's word. Verse 5, do not rob one another unless it be by agreement for a limited time that you may be free for prayer and then be together again. I took a class in my doctoral work uh, about the book of 1 Corinthians, and it was a great uh, study. A bunch of bunch of us uh, were in there trying to learn all we could because we knew that one day we were going to be preaching on all these texts. And so I, uh, it, we came to this verse, do not rob one another uh, by agreement, uh, but by agreement uh, unless it be for a limited period of time. So I raised my hand in class and I said, uh, what does limited time mean? And uh, I said, does it mean a day, a week, a month, a year? What, what, do we have any other places that tell us what that means? The professor smiled and he said, it means 20 minutes. <laughs> I've been laughing about that for 40 years. <laughs> well... Um, We are asking for marital trouble. If your mate wants to have sex and you say no, or you're not interested at all, uh, and you push away from that. Now, abstinence uh, is permitted if it's by agreement. You know, if you have an agreement uh, together. Uh, That's important that you would do that. I can tell you about hundreds of counseling situations where uh, the couple had not come to an agreement, and, of course, that caused a gigantic rift in their marriage. We need to show uh, and to share more than just 
sex with our marriage partner, we need to share love, deep love, not just superficial love. We need to find out what the other person needs and try as best we can to meet those needs. This goes both ways. Uh, You don't teach people to love in some ways. They have to give themselves to it and grow in it. Your mate, uh, if your mate passes away, it's a great compliment uh, to your first mate if the next uh, uh, time you marry, it's because you loved your first mate so very much. It's a compliment to your first uh, marriage partner. I had a man in a a church that I pastored in Tempe, Arizona years ago, and he wanted to remarry after his wife died. He'd had a wonderful, wonderful marriage for a long, long time, and she died. His name was Ernie Ulmer. Uh, His uh, wife was very, very sick for a long time. In fact, when I got to the church, she was sick and in bed, never really much got out of bed. And he took care of her. He fed her. He dressed her. He did everything. He did everything. He took care of her every day. Well, uh, he loved her with all of his heart. He told me the story how they started going together when they were in the seventh grade. And he said, we've been together all of our lives. And it's just been the most wonderful thing possible. He told me about his wife over and over and how much he loved her. After a few years, I got the call that I knew was coming. His wife passed away. I went to the house. I prayed with Ernie. We had gotten to be real close friends. And three days later, we had her funeral. It was a sweet funeral. A lot of people were there. Two weeks later, Ernie called me on the phone. He said, "Uh, Pastor Ron, I need to talk to you right away. I said, okay. And so the next day we met, and uh, he said, uh, before he even sat down, he said, I hate being single. He said, I hate it. He said, the house seems so empty. I don't have anybody to talk to. I don't have anybody to share my ideas and plans and all with. It's just terrible. It's terrible. I just can't stand it, and I want to get married again. And this was like five weeks after she had died. And I said, uh, well, I said, let me uh, help. I said, uh, I know a lot of ladies that have called me and wanted me to look for a husband for them. And so I know a lot of people that want to get married. And if you'd like, I'll line you up with some of them. And uh, he said, that would be great. That would just be great. He said, call them today. (laughs) I said, okay. So I did. Well, uh, he said, uh, Ron, he said, tell me, he said, what what do you do on a date? He said, I have never had a date my whole life. He said, what do you do on a date? And I talked to him about it a little bit. and, uh, And then I told him, you know, to call her up and take her. I mentioned the restaurant that he ought to take her. And I said, uh. Just talk, you know, just talk like you would to your neighbor. Just get to know them. He said, okay, I can do that. So uh, this lady that I knew that was uh, had called me a number of times about finding a mate, 
I uh, lined the two of them up, and they went to the place that I had suggested. Ernie took her there. Before they sat down, Ernie said this, I'm 67 years old. My house and my car are paid for. I had a, I had a good job, and I have a good income. I'm very healthy, and I want to get married. The lady moved back from the table a little bit, and as soon as they got through eating, uh, she said, well, I'd like to go home now, and so he took her home. She called me later, and she said, Pastor Ron, that was the worst date I have ever had in my life. It was terrible, and she told me exactly what he had said, and I said, well, he's never had a date before. You're the first date he's ever had. And uh, she said, well, he acted like it. Uh, I said, well, he's a, he's a fine Christian man. She said, I'm not going out with him again for anything. So uh, she told me all this stuff, and then she hung up. And then about ten minutes later, Ernie called. He said, you know, that date didn't go very well. He said, she wanted to go home immediately after we ate. And uh, I said, well, that's all right. That's all right. Don't worry about it. I said, I know another lady that I think would like to meet you. He said, good. Can you call her today? I said, I can. I called uh, another lady, and I talked to her, and I said, now, this fella has never had a date. He was married. He went started going with her in the seventh grade. He never dated. He doesn't know anything about dating. Uh, you know, understand that as you go into this and have the date. Ernie liked to wear this red polyester suit that was very, very ugly. And I said, uh, what did you wear on your first date, Ernie? He said, oh, I wore my red suit that I like so much. I said, don't wear that. Wear blue pants and a sports shirt, much like the one I have on. And uh, go, go to the same restaurant and just talk. Just talk about whatever comes to your mind. He said, okay. Well, they went out, same place. He wore all the right clothes. He uh, had written down all of the uh, little cues that I gave him. He had them written down on a piece of paper. And he was first supposed to talk about her family, and he did that. Then he talked about her work with her. Then he talked about her uh, hobbies. All of that took about seven minutes. Then he said, uh, I'm 67, and my house and car are paid for, and I have a good retirement, I work for the government, I'm very healthy, and I want to get married. Well, she was uh, taken aback by that, and uh, so she called me later that night, and she said, Ron, that was absolutely the worst date I've ever had in my life, and uh, I just think it was terrible. And uh, you shouldn't line him up with anybody else. I said, he's really a nice guy. He's a strong Christian guy. He's a good friend of mine. I, I think you'd like him if you got to know him. She said, I never want to go out with him again. Ernie called me just later and said, you know, she didn't like me either. She she wanted to go home right after we ate. Well, uh, Ernie said, do you know anybody else? I said, I do. A lady named Mary was a friend of mine in Tempe, and uh, I said, uh, Mary, 
have you thought about uh, dating anybody? And she said, yeah, I, I would date somebody if they were a strong Christian man. I said, well, I know somebody like that. And I told her the whole story about what had happened. I said, now he's going to say that to you pretty soon after you get together. I said, you got to be ready. And she laughed and she said, I can handle that. So they went to the same restaurant. He wore the clothes I told him to. And he uh, went through the hobbies and the family and the work and all that. And then he went to the to the thing, you know, his line. And he said all that, and she just sat there and looked at him and smiled. And when he got through, she said, well, I'm 66, and I have my house and car paid for. And I had a good job. I have a good retirement. I'm healthy. And I would like to meet a real strong Christian man. I'd like to get married. I did their wedding two months later. (laughs) And it was great. It was great. Those first two gals really missed out on a good thing. They didn't know what they were doing. Sometimes love uh, caves in or or just disappears because the marriage is not at a depth level. It's, It's superficial. It's about what you think rather than what you feel. And... And that's a very common issue in marriage. There, there are a lot of people that are living together that don't really have an in-depth relationship with their mate. That's true today. Uh, they talk about uh, things that they're thinking, not things that they're feeling. I knew a man that had a terrible uh, ulcer in his stomach, and he was in horrendous pain. He never told his wife and died. And they told the wife what he had died of, and she said, I didn't know he had an ulcer. And I thought, what a shame. You know, they they never talked about some of the real important things in their life. Well, uh, we need to share with our mate. Uh, in the marriage vow, you know, it says uh, uh, you vow to stay together in sickness and in health. You know, some marriages are very sick. And they need to get healthy. And the way they get healthy is to share at a depth level. And to, to look at some of these things that are in the scripture about what to do and, and what not to do. There are two particular periods of pressure in marriage that I wanted to mention. One is, uh, when the man is around 40 to 45. Uh, some lose their physical stamina. They, begin to have kind of a big tummy, and they need during that time some extra ego support. And some wives make fun of them when they're at that uh, point in their life rather than giving emotional support. So finally, the husband has heard enough of that, and he says, well, I'll show her. And he goes out and makes numerous mistakes with other women. That's a real issue. Men need to build up their wife's self-esteem in every way that they can. It needs to be a continual process of building up your mate. The second thing I want to mention is when the last child leaves home. Uh, Some people say, "Woo, woo, woo," you know, they're real happy. Uh, The majority of families think to themselves, you know, our house is, is quiet now. 
It's it's all it's almost like it's empty. You know these kids that I've given my life to and for, they're not here, and I'm lonely. I miss them, and it's a it's a very difficult time in some marriages, and that's a time when you need to bond together even more closely. Look at uh, continuation of verse five. Uh, the, the return to normal conjugal relations are a very important part of the matter that Satan may not tempt you on account of your desire for sexual relations. Your inability to control yourself. This will tempt the married but unsatisfied partner to express it in adultery. Verse 6 says, "By but I say this by way of concession, not by command. Verse 7 says, I desire all men to be as I myself am. Now, that's about being single. Jesus and Paul were single. And, you know, people sometimes uh, give single people a hard time. And singles get very, very tired of hearing from some friend, you haven't gotten married yet? You know, that gets real old in a hurry. And uh, we really shouldn't say that to each other. Paul uh, had a wonderful life. He thought he ought to be single so he would have more time for ministry. Some of you that are here today are single, and you have given a lot more time to ministry. And I think that is tremendous. That's following the depth of how to best use our life's energies. Verse 7, each man has his own gift from God, one in one direction and the other in the other. Uh, if you don't like being single, you ought to do something about it. Uh, you know, we have a wonderful thing today that we didn't have 40 years ago. There's online Christian dating. And I recommend that to people. Uh, you know, some of those, they have a very strong uh, period where they go through uh, all the stuff to make sure this is a credible person. And then they line two Christians up together. I think that's great. Whether married or not, single or not, you're going to have some great moments and some difficult moments. People say, well, uh, my prayers don't go any higher than the ceiling about getting married. Or being married. And I always tell them, you know, God's not only in the room with you, but he's above the roof. Wherever you're praying, he's hearing it. And he will hear you today. We're going to have a moment of invitation when we invite people to come and join with us. We invite people to make a public profession of their faith in Christ. We invite people to rededicate their lives to Christ. We're going to sing a song. I'm going to stand down here at the front. If the Lord leads you, then just slip out, slip forward, take a stand for Jesus today. Let's stand.